Good morning, and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. Um, today is Yom HaShoah, so um, we have uh, some more serious guests on, not related to Yom HaShoah specifically, but, um, you know, the way that um, some rabbis, I was actually just seeing uh, that um, Rav Soloveitchik in his book, Hold Dodi Do Fake, responds to tragedies in our time as he says that we aren't supposed to ask why the why is incomprehensible to us but instead we have to respond with um, with kindness and with giving and that's what our job is not to question why because we'll never understand um, you know those big questions like that um, actually I recently wrote about uh, that the trend um, unfortunately in recent years for some leaders in the Orthodox community to um, to claim they know the reason for suffering that's up on uh, jewinthecity.com a couple posts ago you can check that out um, but I really appreciate Rev Salvechik's answer that we don't know why we shouldn't even ask why um, and instead we should respond instead with kindness and with giving and so today our show is going to focus on people who are giving um, and our first guest um, her name is Wendy Berezovsky and uh, she has a pretty neat uh, chesed project that she started Wendy good morning and thank you for joining us good morning and thank you where, where are you calling in from from Minneapolis Oh, okay. So I we just spent Shabbos, uh, not Shabbos, Pesach with people from Indianapolis that is nowhere near Minneapolis, but they sound similar. And I asked them, and they said it's nowhere near each other. So that is not related at all. So you have um, you have an organization you started called Sweet Dreams for Kids. Yes, that's correct. And what is this exactly? Something about children and sleeping? Can you tell us what it is and and how it got started? Absolutely. Sweet Dreams for Kids is a nonprofit organization. And we want to take the ick out of sick. We collect and donate new pajamas for kids in the hospital nationwide. And what inspired me to start this is my youngest child, Chayadalia. She was born with cancer, and she is truly my walking little miracle. And thank Hashem, she's nine years old, and she's the reason why I keep this going strong. Oh, my goodness. So she was born with, with cancer. How, at she what age did cancer. you find out that, that, she, that she was sick? We found out at two and a half months old that it was cancer. They told us it was nothing. And at two and a half months old, we found out that everybody was wrong. Huh. And so she, she had been presenting with different symptoms that you, you could tell something was not up. And, and at two and a half months, they, they realized this was the diagnosis. Right. And right. so how, so this must have been uh, sort of a, you know, shaking your faith. Were, were you always observant or did you become observant later in life? Yes, we were always observant and definitely you know what you said, we can't question why. And believe me, I, I pray a lot and I just, she just amazes me and she gives me the strength. And where, and, and she, they, they were not expecting her, they were not expecting things to go so well. You're saying it's a miracle every day that she continues living. Has, has her cancer gone into remission or it's, has it changed you know, at all? I am, status I am very funny with, I never will say anything. She's in remission or not. Uh, I just, I thank Hashem every day for okay. her, and she she is just really amazing. And, and at 11 months old, the doctor told us to prepare ourselves. And I looked at her doctor, and I said, no, you need to do something. So when I say a miracle, she really, truly is a miracle. Wow, that's incredible. So how did it go from, so so not questioning is your philosophy as well, and instead you were inspired to, to give back in some way, to add some sort of, kindness or, or chesed to the world as, as your response to this, to this tragic news? 
right? I knew that I had to do something. You know, I was never going to understand why my baby was born with cancer, and I knew that I had to do something good with it. And she just inspires me every day, and it just it makes me feel so good with what we do. So where did you? Where did the idea of pajamas specifically? It could have been toys. It could have been you know uh, clowns. Like where did pajamas uh, come to you in terms of what you wanted to give? You know, I think it was a lot of nights in the hospital room, just looking around, thinking, "What can I do to make things better for other families?" And pajamas just seemed like something. It's so little, but yet it's really so big because it, you put a kid in a hospital pajama gown, and it just is that constant reminder that they're sick. And you put them in regular pajamas, like pajamas, you know, when kids are at home, they pick out their own pajamas. When they're in the hospital and you put on a regular pair of pajamas, I always say it doesn't take away any of the worries what parents and families and kids are going through, but it just was a little pick-me-up in the room. It brings a little cheer, a little bit of happiness, and the kids can feel a difference. I mean, you know, it's something that I never would have thought of in terms of how to cheer up a sick person. But I know from my kids, my boys especially, they are so crazy for pajamas. When we buy, you know, their new sets each season, they'll just go, you know, changing one set after another. And they feel like it's dress up. And um, there's something really interesting that you tapped into here about kids in pajamas. Do you think that it affects the other family members as well? Is it just the kids being picked up? You know, I think it affects everybody. I, I think that people, you know, when they see a child who's going through something in regular pajamas, it, it, I think it picks everyone up a little bit. It just, it, again, it's not that reminder. Those hospital gowns, everybody knows, whoever's been in the hospital knows how uncomfortable the hospital gowns are. And I think it, I think it does good for everybody in the room. And do you have a most popular type of pajamas, like over one over another? or Definitely um, two-piece are what the kids and the hospitals prefer just because they're easier for the staff and everything. And the TV shows, movies, all the you know fun characters that are out there, those are definitely the most popular that people like. The real fun, bright colors, I think, is what, is what people really, really appreciate. And how long ago did, did you start this organization? We started in 2008 with our first donation was of 75 pairs of pajamas. Huh, so people are donating um, product to you instead of money or you're taking both or what? I do take both. My Usually what I get is pajamas, but I, I do accept monetary donations as well. Mm-hmm. And I ship nationwide. We've sent pajamas all over the world. And, and this is being donated to Jews and non-Jews alike? or Yes. Absolutely. Oh, that's beautiful. You know, it, it's interesting. Um, uh, you know, the way that Jewish law works, we are told to give, you know, uh, to, you know, sort of our, our, our family first, our home first. And so you see a lot of Jewish organizations that give specifically to Jewish. And I don't think that they can be faulted for that. But um, it's interesting. A Hasidic man pointed out to me that a true Kiddush Hashem is the kind where, you know, we're looking out to the larger world and saying, you know, we want to help you side by side through your suffering. So um, I really commend you for, because, you know, kids are kids and they're suffering and um, I'm sure it's so hard for them to understand, you know, why it's happening to them and to be stuck in those beds. Um, how, how do you get these pajamas to um, the kids? I have people contact me that want to do like a pajama party or pajama drive through their work, their their religious organization, schools, and they contact me and they put together some type of way that they're collecting pajamas or monetary donations. And then either I set up, 
them with a hospital in their area, and they del- do the delivery of the pajamas, or they send them to me in Minnesota, and then I go ahead and do the delivery here. And I have a big basement full of pajamas that, you know, I get requests all the time through our website and Facebook that I send pajamas out to individual families as well. So we're right now up to almost 12,000 pairs of pajamas that we've donated. Wow, that's incredible. Oh, my goodness. Have you gotten any letters um, or phone calls or any messages from families who you've donated to and have described how the pajamas touch them? You know, I do. I, I get a lot through Facebook, and people post pictures on our Facebook page, and I do get some notes in the mail. And, you know, I've heard that it just it brings, like, a light to what, you know, when they're going through a hard time. I mean, I've heard that sometimes it's the smile that they haven't seen in days, and when they get these new pajamas, they unwrap them, and it just brings so much joy to them. You know, these acts of chesed, the, you know, just these small things that people might not even consider would make a difference to someone. It doesn't cost that much money, and yet it's one of those basic things that a healthy person, um, you know, gets the, the privilege to wear, and, and the sick person, the hospitalized person is missing. Do you plan to expand into anything else? Do you think you're going to stick just into pajamas, or...? You know, I think we're just going to stick with pajamas. It just, you know, it's it's a good thing for everybody. You know, I when people are doing the collection, they keep telling me, my kids, everybody in my family wants to go to the store, and everybody loves pajamas. So it's a very fun thing for every member of the family. So I think we're just we're going to stick with with new pajamas. Do do you think do that people realize you know as you're distributing these to to non-Jewish people to non-observant people do they realize that this is coming from uh, an Orthodox woman who founded this? Is there any knowledge of that or? You know, I'm not sure. If you probably scroll through our pictures, people probably could figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, definitely we do try to make it known that you know we're a family that's been through a situation in the hospital because I think that's really important that people know this is from a family that really understands. We know, we know, you know, it may be a different circumstance, but we've been in the hospital. We know how scary it is. And I think that alone just makes a really big difference to people. It's really, it's a tremendous kiddush Hashem. And can you tell our listeners who might want to get involved in this incredible mitzvah how they can send pajamas or a donation to your wonderful organization? Yes, absolutely. They can go to our website. It's www.sweetdreamsforkids.org. And our Facebook page also link is on our website. And please, you know, go to our Facebook page, like it, share it. Say the more people that know about us, the more kids we can help. You know, I'm thinking that maybe, I don't know if you've heard our Sharing Seats episode. Did you get a chance to listen to that one? Which one? I'm sorry. Oh, it's called Sharing Seats. and It's an organization that helps kids that are sick and have different challenges. They take um, extra seats to sporting events and concerts and that sort of thing, and they give them, they basically pair um, extra corporate tickets that are not being used to these events with, with kids in need. I'm just thinking that there could be a shidduch here maybe that, you know, if you guys get together, you could give out pajamas and, uh, and you know, tickets to events because you're both doing a, you know, a very similar thing and, and cheering up uh, those that need, um, need a smile. So, and oh, um, your, your daughter should continue to be strong and be miraculous and to give all of you strength and, um, you know, keep, keep up the fabulous work. Well, thank you so much. All right, and, and have a great day. Thank you. You have a good day, too. Thanks. Okay. And up next, we have another situation. You know, I didn't realize when, uh, when we brought on uh, our first guest today, Wendy, that the organization was started because her child was sick. I realized that about our second guest today. 
Um, but and I didn't actually realize when I booked these guests either that it was going to be Yom uh, Hashoah. But you know, I guess Hashem has a way of uh, matching things up well. Our second guest, unfortunately, uh, has a child who I believe was also born um, not well, um, and her name is uh, Ruhama Uzman. Ruhama, thank you for joining us this morning. Oh, thank you for having me. And your family also responded to some challenging news with uh, with a, a special response. Um, so first off, um, it's your son Nadav that that has Angelman syndrome. Is that correct? Yes. And um, what at, at what age did you realize that he was suffering from this? So at nine months or so, he started falling behind with his developmental with his development in general, and he was diagnosed with global developmental delay. And he got a diagnosis for Angelman syndrome at about the age of two and a half. Uh huh. And can you tell? I don't think this is such a, a well-known. Uh, it's called a syndrome or a disease. How, how do you describe syndrome. it? Syndrome. Syndrome. Angelman syndrome. Syndrome. And so I don't think it's so well known. So I, you know, I'm glad that we can publicize it here and, and create more awareness for it. Can you describe to our listeners uh, how this syndrome affects um, those who have it? So it's a neurogenetic disorder that affects uh, mobility. That individuals with it have complex communication needs. They speak with devices um, called AAC, augmentative communication, and um, it also causes epilepsy in most individuals. It does have a large spectrum of how it affects individuals, so some cases are more severe than others. Mm-hmm. And how, how old is Nadav today? Nadav is seven. Seven, got it. And so Nadav has a very special little sister, doesn't he? Yes. And her, her name is Nama. And um, you know, here I've been spinning my wheels at you in the city for a little bit too long trying to figure out how to raise money. And your daughter, um, I might need to take lessons from her. Um, she managed to do something pretty incredible. She raised $25,000 at a lemonade stand. Is that correct? It was over a year span, and she raised, yeah, just over $25,000 on her own within her community. So she's had the community support behind her the entire year. This is incredible. So, um, so this started when she was four only. She was four and a half. Yeah. Four and a half. Got it. My my Rafi is four and a half. I'm trying to think if he could get a fundraising campaign started right now. I'm going to have a talk with him after uh, after this because the call is over. Well, he can so, host a lemonade stand and send all his funds to CureAngelman.org. All right. Sounds good. So, so, so tell us how how did this come about? How did a four and a half year old decide that she was going to start a lemonade stand to fund? research for her brother's uh, syndrome? So she was four and a half when she understood that he had been diagnosed with Angelman syndrome and that it was something real. It wasn't that he was just, you know, developing differently, but she understood there was a reason behind the different development. And um, we told her about the fact that, you know, Angelman syndrome is is close to a cure, like really close to a cure. And Mm -hmm. all they need is funding and time. And she was right away, she wanted to do what she could to raise money. She wanted to know at first why we couldn't give them the $20 million they needed. Come on, Mom and Dad. Come on, get to her. It's a little bit much for one family. And yeah. Uh, she, yeah, she decided to do lemonade stands and just see. And we were hoping to raise, you know, $1,000 over the whole summer. The first stand, we'd raised $100. Uh-huh. And, and did, did you and your husband grow up religious or? Um, I did. My husband did not. Got it. And in, in, is Sadaka is chesed, is that something that you speak about regularly in your house? Is she w- aware of you know putting money in Sadaka boxes, that sort of thing? It is, but um, it's, it's not a concept that I would say, you know, 
it's it's very real for us. It's not it's not something we speak about in a sort of spiritual way. It's yeah. like really matter of fact and tangible. I mean, yeah. my son can have a cure. He can benefit from the money she is raising towards research. So she just and sees and I think there's something incredible about kids that they don't sort of know the limits of, you know, kind of of reality maybe that there's something very special about just sort of dreaming big and not knowing that $20 million is such a big number, she just thinks, well, let's just get started now and we'll be $25,000 closer or $5 closer, whatever it is for, for what we're doing. So, so it took a year to sell this, this lemonade. So how, how did it come about? Did she just opened up a stand in front of your house and friends came over? Yeah, yeah, literally that. And uh, the first stand she opened I, in social media, I just posted and said, Amma's having a stand today at whatever time. If you can stop by and buy a cup of lemonade, we'd really appreciate it. And thinking she'll make 20 bucks. And people came, and they were just dropping donations in her jar. And then at the end of the day, she says, wow, is this enough for a cure? And we're like, not quite. She says, well, then can we do it again tomorrow? And she's just so excited by it. And, like, it really motivates her and keeps her, you know, for her, it's therapeutic too. Like it's how she's coping with the fact that her brother has a pretty severe disability, and uh, he requires a lot of care and attention. And she knows that she's doing what she can for him so that he has a better future. You know, I, I give you and your husband a lot of credit. You could see a, a child, a sibling, being jealous of the, you know, the one that's not 100% healthy for getting more attention. And instead, you've been able to imbue her with these values that the way that we respond to suffering and to tragedy is by trying to make things better and trying to fix things. And um, it's really beautiful. So, so she started with a stand. She went to the next one the next day. And so for over a year period, different. And were other things um, added besides lemonade? Yes. So it's turned into a bit of a bake sale, you know, cookies, uh, muffins, cupcakes. I mean, people sponsor, people donate um, lemonade. We do Starbucks donates coffee that we sell. We make hot chocolate in the winter, you know, try and keep it, you know, up to date and to do with the weather and the season. And, um, and yeah, and uh, tons of donations, like community friends will or people we don't even know that well will approach us and say, you know, we love what you're doing. Can we, can we donate some, you know, baked goods for your next stand? Can we host a stand? And this is how she's raised 25000 She has had a few um, larger donations from, you know, corporate donation and family foundations and things like that. But mainly it has been lemonade. I mean, you know, obviously the community has come together, but there's probably something so unusual and inspiring about seeing such a little kid um, with that kind of drive and motivation to do it. Um, because, yeah, you know, well, she inspired a Jewish family in California, and they saw her story about how she won the Canada's Kindest Kid contest. Wow. And uh, then there was a, you know, a video on the behind the scenes, and they were just so inspired by her, her motivation and her inspiration and her big heart, and they fundraised within their own family and friends and close community, and they matched donations up to 10K, and they raised 20 $1,000. Wow, when did that come in? So this was Sunday. Oh my goodness, wow. understand that she had this donation that almost matched what she'd raised. And the Foundation for Angelman Syndrome Therapeutics, cureangelman.org, opened up a research grant in her name called the Naama Uzan Research Grant. Wow, this is incredible. This is, uh, I mean, you know, for anyone that feels like 
they're not old enough, they're not, you know, connected enough. They're, it's um, it's really incredible to see someone who, there's no reason why this should have happened except for the fact that she gave it a try and, you know, her, her passion obviously uh, was contagious. So she won, did I see uh, you guys featured maybe on a news story recently? I feel like a few months yeah. ago we posted So something. on Sunday, the Toronto Star interviewed her over the phone. They sent a photographer out and did a beautiful article, as well as CTV aired her that night on their news, and CBC had a short clip at the end of their news segment at 11, I believe. So is she a little bit famous now around your community, now um, that she's... Uh... Yeah, I mean, she's very level-headed. It's, it's actually gone viral. The, if you Google Angelman Syndrome, it's trending in the health articles on Google's news. It's, it's, it's on Mashable, which has hit over 4K shares. Wow. And it's, it's gone viral. And she, uh, I said to her, you know, people in Korea... Australia, Brazil, Mexico, Israel. I mean, everybody knows your story and you've really inspired people and your heart's traveling around the world. And she goes, Korea? Where's Korea? I'm like, <laughs> China. She goes, one second, it's in Australia? That's on the other side of the world. And I said, exactly. She goes, can I have a muffin for breakfast? <laughs> She's not, <laughs> it's not getting to her head. I, 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 I don't know why, because it's like, it's astounding. It's humbling. It's it's really the the response has been incredible. And do you say does she plan on continuing with it? Oh yes, she would host the stand every day if I let her. Yeah. <laughs> and now that you're getting onto, you know, ha has this online media that you've gotten is that helping with more donations? Or are you finding that that's making a difference with this new page on uh, the Angelman's uh, website? So no, I mean it. it I mean. People who are inspired by the story, we encourage them to visit CureAngelman.org and, you know, put a donation in, even how small, like, put in 50 cents for a, a virtual cup of lemonade, you know, if, um, but yeah, it, hopefully it really will make a difference. Well, well, um, we, we wish, uh, you know, your, your special daughter, uh, you know, continued Hatzlacha on her incredible work and, uh, and a refuah shalima to your son and, uh, you should get a lot of nachas for your children and and keep inspiring people all over the world. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, pleasure. And we are doing our own bit of fundraising right now here in Jew in the City now that we've mentioned a couple different places that you could give. Um, you probably have heard before us speak about Project Mahom. So um, Project Mahom, we just recently received a $5,000 grant and match of up to $5,000 grant and match funds from the Schusterman Foundation through ROI. Um, and so we have a crowdfunding uh, campaign going on right now on Indiegogo. Um, and there's a lot of great causes to give to. We want to let you know about all of them. Um, but if you're not familiar, don't remember, Project Makom um, helps former and questioning Haredi Jews find their place in orthodoxy. You know, here on Jew in the City, uh, we started this movement, we started this social media movement to rebrand what the world thought that Orthodox Jews are and could be because so many non-Orthodox see us in the most extreme stereotypical ways. What we learned through this process is that there's actually a lot of people that were born and bred Orthodox that were never shown all the things that Orthodox Jews could be. They only saw the most extreme, severe, closed off forms of Orthodoxy and didn't realize that 
um, the more interaction with the world is possible. Using your talents in many ways are possible. And obviously, if someone is happy in a more closed-off community, in a more extreme community, you know, we believe everyone should follow uh, the path that you know works for them. But in reality, there are many paths within Torah. And uh, we found at first over the years that there was um, maybe some anger or resentment coming from some people who did not uh, get a chance to access the openness that we've shown here at Jew in the City. And what we realized after being approached by a former ultra-Hasidic couple was that there was actually a real need to help people in, in this community um, who didn't want to live such an extreme life and yet still wanted to be observant to help acclimate into a different part of orthodoxy. Um, there's a well-known organization that helps um, you know, ex-Haredi Jews become fully secular, um, but there was no one out there who was helping um, ex-Haredi or questioning Haredi Jews um, find a place elsewhere in orthodoxy. And so through our, um, through our co-directors, Mindy Schapper um, from Memphis, Tennessee, and Gabriella Lerner, uh, who lives in the five towns, um, we've put together um, 100 uh, volunteer mentors so far, and we already have a few people who are matched up, who are learning together, who are being hosted for Shabbos, who are connecting and sort of having their hand held so they can explore different communities. Uh, we had a Shabbat tone over the summer in Airmont, New York, where we hosted 20 families who are kind of in this in-between stage. Um, and we plan with this money that we raise, please God, the $10,000 that we'll raise um, to build a website um, and to have content, to uh, you know do marketing with it. We recently had an article this past week came out on the Jerusalem Post magazine about Project Mako. Um, and one came out in the forward a couple months ago. And um, we also plan to use this money to uh, put together uh, a Shabbaton, um, hopefully uh, in the near future, also in the five towns. And um, there's a lot of excitement that has been built around this. And, um, you know, whatever you could contribute to our campaign will definitely be helpful and will definitely um, give these people who are searching for their place, and that's what Mako means, um, a chance to feel welcomed and a chance to feel included. And it might be interesting to know we actually um, surveyed several members of, uh, you know, of the off the derech or formerly observant community as we were trying to figure out what kind of services to offer um, if we were to establish such an initiative. And a few of them on their own came back to tell us that if, if this had been available when they were on their way out of their community of birth, um, they might still be observant today. So everyone is very familiar with, um, you know, Kiru Frechokim, with, you know, outreach for the people that are from the, you know, the unorthodox or the, the non-observant backgrounds. What fewer people are aware of uh, are the people within our own community that are in need of outreach and in need of welcoming and in need of uh, you know being included. And so that was what we're trying to provide here. So that's one thing. So please look out for our Indiegogo campaign on Twitter, on uh, Facebook, uh, both on Jew in the City. Uh, the other thing I'd like to bring your attention to, because we're in the middle of uh, sort of two appeals, um, is that we are back to nominations for a new crop of Orthodox Jewish All-Stars. We just released this past week um, our nominations for the 2015 class of Orthodox Jewish All-Stars. For those of you who are not familiar with this, in 2012, it began with a video. The idea was simply to showcase some of the most successful Orthodox Jews in various professional fields. 
I personally was raised to believe that the men were all rabbis. Not that there's anything wrong with being a rabbi, but some people are interested in other career possibilities. I also believe that the women weren't allowed to work. I would see these very religiously dressed women pushing a stroller with a lot of kids, and I thought that they weren't allowed to do anything but that. And while we value, you know, raising children and, you know, believe that motherhood is, you know, a, a profession that, you know, can't be compared to anything else, there are many career women within orthodoxy and many of them are using their talents and their passions um, to juggle that, you know, life-work balance that women all over the world are doing. And so we started off with this video showcasing 10 super successful orthodox Jews and realized that this was something people had a thirst for. They wanted to be inspired and see where dreams could go to while maintaining Shabbos, while keeping kosher, while observing the holidays. And we did a second list uh, in 2013 where we opened up nominations to the public. Um, and we had a, a big celebration, uh, Hanukkah time, in 2013. And then last year, we did both a video and a party around Hanukkah. And uh, each year, thank God, we get bigger and better. We have more incredible people who have joined our team. And so we are now uh, back into nomination season. So please hop on to JewInTheCity.com and, you know, scratch your head, you know, think about who you might know in any different field, um, business and uh, industry, law and government, science and medicine, and um, sports and entertainment. Those are the categories we have available. Anyone that you know personally or who have heard of who is, you know, has some sort of universal measure of great success is who we're looking at. Um, and we've seen that it inspires uh, both the people who were born observant and to show them that they can have big dreams, that their kids can have big dreams. And it inspires the people who have not uh, been so observant yet to realize that if they wanted to explore their observance further, that there could be room within their careers to, to observe more. So um, thank you for uh, listening today. Um, and we hope that you've been inspired by these people who took uh, you know, challenging times and responded with kindness. And um, please help us continue to grow our uh, you know, kindness with Project Makum and inspiration through the Orthodox Jewish All-Stars. Uh, catch you here, same time, same place next week. Thanks so much.